This is The Winner's Take with host Nelson rowdy Raisbeck and professional sports handicapper Dave Esler. Welcome into Winner's Take. As always, I'll be your host, Nelson rowdy Raisbeck, joined by professional sports better Dave Esler. If you want to get any of our content, you can find me on Twitter at Rowdy underscore Razor. You want to find Dave on Twitter, it's at Dave underscore Esler. Or you can find more of his work on pregame.com. Just a quick little review here for our Major League Baseball best bets. Went two and one last weekend as we continue through the Major League Baseball season. Now, looking for the rest of today's podcast, we're recording here. It's Monday, August 14th. We will go through a couple of games from the Monday slate in Major League Baseball, a couple of games from Tuesday, the August 15th slate of baseball. Then we're going to dive more into football, NFL totals. I know we're going to talk about the Packers. Dave has some other stuff planned for you. I think he mentioned a Colts win total, but we'll jump into that. Dave, without uh, further ado, football season's here. Preseason's uh, moving into week two. I'm already starting to see people talking about college football week zero is is less than two weeks away it feels weird but it's it's practically fall yeah i mean it's you know i guess for me it's this is 365 days a year so it doesn't change a thing for me other than i have a lot more work to do to make sure we get the best of these numbers coming out for the nfl like books haven't even put lines up for this week yet they're a little nervous but you know i gotta be ready so you know, just like I do with baseball, I got to be ready and and hopefully jump on the right number and make some money. I actually got a question for you just in general when it comes to being like a professional sports better. When you're looking at these different sports, baseball, football, like I understand baseball's drawn out, you know, over a six month period with 162 games. But what sport specifically do you say most time is put into that? If there's ever a pick and choose, which one are you definitely diving in or giving the most attention uh it's generally college football because there's just that many more teams uh, and because there's that many more teams and a lot of these teams you know bookmakers don't know a whole lot about so there's more mistakes made i mean there's not when you know michigan plays ohio state or florida plays georgia you know very public games but you have to be johnny on the spot for some of those non-power five conferences and that takes an exponential amount of time so you're all over like the Alabama A&Ms playing like the, I don't know, Georgia Southerns. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I Actually, my wife used to teach at Georgia Southern, so I know that program pretty well. But, yeah, absolutely. You know, Mountain West and American Conference and some of those other ones that are, you know, they're not going to be on ESPN at 730 on a Friday, a Saturday night. And, but they're just as, just as probably more, more soft, they're softer lines. Uh, so outcome variance is, is generally much bigger. So I tend to I tend to do pretty well in those, and I won't spend a lot of time on Alabama, Georgia, Michigan, Ohio State, you know, Wisconsin, Minnesota, just because most of what's out there is already kind of common knowledge. I don't want to spend too much more time with this, but I, I guess I got a follow up question because it was something you said with the you know the bigger conferences like the Big Ten or SEC versus you know some of these tiny conferences. You think that'll change because gambling's kind of a forever adapting and changing landscape right now. Do you think that'll change with conference realignment where you have 15, 20 teams in the Big Ten, 20 teams in the SEC, and some of these other Mountain West or MAC type conferences 
grabbing a few teams here and there. I, I feel like maybe that could change from a betting perspective too. Yeah, I mean, it, well, it'll make it a little more difficult in the early on because you'll have, you know, Wisconsin playing USC and every year. So there's not really a history on that where there is against, you know, existing Big Ten teams. So that's going to be probably the biggest challenge. And, you know, there's a whole lot of other sort of secondary factors. I don't want to get tied up in them now, but, yeah, there's a lot. You know, teams in the, teams that have high expectations that are in a 20-team conference that are, you know, maybe they don't even want to play the bowl. And I don't say they tank, but they could lose interest a little sooner than normal. So, you know, yeah, that's October stuff. But, yeah, there's a lot of a lot of unknowns here. Wait, you're telling me, Dave, that you don't remember the – I think it was the 2015 Holiday Bowl between USC and Wisconsin or the, the 1963 Rose Bowl where these, these powerhouses matched up? Yeah, I do. But, you know, we've had turnover, and, you know, I think a lot of it is sort of motivation. Like if, if USC just kicked the living crap out of them last year, that would mean something. No, I was just messing with you. But let's – Yeah, I, know, let's, I got you. Let's dive right into the Major League Baseball slate. Again, we're recording this. It is Monday, August 14th. It's the afternoon. So the very first game we're going to look at for this Monday slate for Major League Baseball, it's actually going to be the first game out of the shoot. 5.40 Central Time, first pitch. We have the Houston Astros traveling to Miami to take on the Marlins. Frambler Valdez going for the Astros. Braxton Garrett going for the Fish. It looks like here, Dave, for the line, currently Houston's favored minus 140 with a total of seven and a half, maybe going to tip to eight. Yeah, I mean, I mean, how good must the Marlins feel winning a game they were down seven to one yesterday and five ninth inning runs? And they actually, uh, Houston had been tearing off the cover of the ball until yesterday. So, you know, there is that. Then they travel. And the Marlins are alive uh, for October. And at home, there are 11 games over 500. So, the question is, is Framber an auto bet? And I don't think he is. I mean, he was predictably shelled after that no-hitter. But, you know, we talked last week, even in the games leading up to that no-hitter, he hadn't really been dominant. And, in fact, including that no-hitter, uh, his ERA over the last seven games is over five and a half. So, you know, the Marlins are 17-5 and five in Garrett starts. Three of those five losses were by one run. So it's very easy for me to bet the Marlins on the run line tonight. Yeah, I think we're we're kind of kind of on the safe wavelength here because, like you mentioned, after that no hitter, his starts before and after Valdez hasn't looked that great. You mentioned that Braxton Garrett's been very underrated this year, though. Weirdly enough, his struggles have come at home. I looked at this game. First one that came to mind was, you know, I didn't want to take Valdez, you know, the name and then the brand with the Astros. So looking at the fish in the first five on the run line it felt like a pretty decent price especially when the the fish do hit lefties and then uh the secondary i actually because valdez has struggled and garrett has struggled a little bit here maybe just because that's a low total i could see a lot of the runs coming early knowing that houston has a good bullpen maybe a first five over i could see i wouldn't touch that with your money but you, it makes sense uh, I just don't – that's not something I want to be contrarian with in case, you know, Houston is going into a hitting slump. It is a hit, a pitcher's park, uh, you know, and if Framber does decide to have a good outing. Um, the possible outcomes there are, are the deviation is too much for me to touch that total. So Dave's still going to stick with his Marlins on the run line, and I would say my favorite one was the Marlins in the first five on the run line. Dave, I did find a couple of props for this game that I was interested in. Now, the very first one, 
going to be a Jorge Soler to get a hit. And this one was minus 175. So Soler has actually had a little bit of history with uh, Valdez. Three for eight with a walk. So he has had some success. But you look at his splits. He's hitting 307 against lefties this year as a 244 overall hitter. And then you look down and see what he's been doing lately. The last week, hitting 333. The last 15 days, hitting over 280. So he's been pretty hot as of late, has a track record against Valdez. And at minus 175, that's relatively pretty cheap. The other one that I had on a Marlin, it was actually going to be Josh Bell. Now, Bell being a guy that played for Pittsburgh, played for Cleveland, he's been around a little bit. He also has had some success against Valdez, two for five with a walk. Now, his splits, as of late, he's been swinging the bat well. 304 the last week, 280 the last 15 days, and nearly 280 for the last month, well above his current season average of 242. And at minus 185, that's also a pretty super cheap price. Yeah, I don't, I haven't looked at props today, and that's strictly a function of, of time management for Dave. So I will. I will trust your judgment there. And then I found one for the Astros, which there's no history between Braxton Garrett and uh, Chaz McCormick, but McCormick's been super hot again lately, hitting like 280 plus the last week, two weeks, a month. And he's sitting there at minus 180. So that's another one that would be tempting. So those were the three props that I was uh, taking a look at. Works for me. Let's move to our second game for the Monday slate. It's going to actually be a 645 Central Time first pitch. Going to be the Oakland Athletics traveling to St. Louis to take on the Cardinals. J.P. Sears going for Oakland. Miles Michaelis taking the mound for the Cardinals. Cardinals heavy favorite here, minus 225, total of 8.5. Dave, what were you thinking for our second game on the Monday slate? Yeah, well, I wouldn't count out Oakland on the run line because Sears is actually half decent, but you know, if nothing else, the Cardinals are hitting, and they've scored, I think, five straight in, in four, five or more in four straight games. And, you know, McCullough's has been good, but not great. Uh, but what he does bring to the table is an awful ground ball fly ball rate. I mean, the real numbers this season, he's at 180 ground ball outs and 287 fly ball outs. So I'm going to go out on a limb and say he's been fortunate and living a little dangerously as far as home runs goes. Uh, and the Cardinals have a bullpen with the second most blown saves in baseball. And that's saying something because they haven't been ahead much all season. So in terms of opportunities, they haven't been there. And, you know, we know the Oakland bullpen isn't good, hasn't been good, won't be good. Um, I do like Sears. And, you know, Oakland first five might be a live bet. But like McCullough, Sears has has a tendency to give up long balls in bunches. So uh, for an offensively challenged team like Oakland, uh, they're a 62% over team on the road uh, when they're out of that big park. I mean, I think people just think they're they're not going to score at all. Uh, but, you know, they get in more hitter-friendly parks. Um, they will, They might put up a couple of runs. So I think this game's in St. Louis. They got a decent breeze blowing out. Uh, I bet the over eight and a half. Yeah, I looked at this game, and I'm glad you said you liked the over because my favorite one on this game was actually the St. Louis Cardinals team total over four and a half. And the reason why I liked that was, yeah, Sears was one of the guys, I think it was him and Paul Blackburn, kind of the middle of the season where it was like, hey, these guys are actually profitable to bet first fives on Oakland when Oakland was really, really terrible. And then they started to win some of those games. When was that back in June? I think. Well, yep. Sears, Sears has kind of fallen on hard times here as of late. 
and hasn't been throwing the ball well his last you know month or so. Now the Cardinals, this was a team that last year was like a top five, you know, statistical team hitting lefties. They're not there this year, but they weren't very good for most of the season. All of a sudden you look at their numbers, they're starting to be middle of the road everywhere. So they must be hitting lefties again. You mentioned it, that Oakland A's bullpen, terrible. It's like if they could put a few on on Sears and he hands it off to that bullpen. I like that uh, Cardinals team total to go over the four and a half. If I had to play a side, I get where you're coming from, but just because Sears hasn't been that great, maybe I would go with the Cardinals in the first five on the run line, but uh, Cardinals team total over is my favorite. Yeah, I can see that. Let's just hope they aren't, they aren't ahead four to one in the ninth for both of our sakes. Yeah, that's like the one thing when I was looking at it. You know, well, they'll probably only get eight at-bats here, but uh, do you still think they can go over eight and a half? And I think with that matchup, I do, but I get where your concern is. Yeah, I mean, there's a concern with every bet, but yes, that's absolutely the potential drawback. I mean, hopefully it won't make any difference, but it is a thing. It's, you know, it's like I've told other people, you can't have everything or we'd never lose. So we don't have everything and we will lose a game or two. So now that will be the August 14th, the Monday slate of games. We're going to pick two more here from the Tuesday slate of games. So the first one we're actually going to look at, it's going to be the last game of the night. It's going to be a West Coast Milwaukee Brewers traveling to Los Angeles to take on the Dodgers. You have Adrian Hauser on the mound for the Brewers. Bobby Miller going for the Dodgers. If you look at the DraftKings line here, Dodgers heavily favored, minus 205. Total is right around nine with a bunch of vig to the under, maybe tips to eight and a half. Dave, what were you thinking for our first game of the Tuesday slate? Yeah, I mean, the Dodgers have kind of finally opened up a gap between them and everybody else in the West. So there's part of me that wonders if they have sort of mental days off in the future. That's always a concern. I mean, they've won 12 or 13 uh, and haven't given up many runs. It's actually been their pitching that's been getting it done up to and including the bullpen. Uh, so, you know, part of the reason it's the Dodgers and they've won all these games in a row, I mean, that's why that's minus 205. It, it probably shouldn't be that high. I mean, I think Miller can be had, and the Brewers have been hitting, albeit against the White Sox and Rocky staffs. But, you know, I put Hauser in the sort of serviceable but low upside category. So if I'm betting this game, I, I am going to bet that under uh, or maybe the Brewers team total under. Let's see what that comes out at. Yeah, I looked at this, and Adrian Hauser being a Brewer fan, we've watched Hauser basically, I think it was since 17, parts of 18. He's a guy that he's serviceable, like you said, but he's also not afraid to put guys on base and gives up a lot of contact. And I feel like that's all fine and dandy when you play Pittsburgh or you play you know, some of these lesser-hitting teams. But the Dodgers, they could be a team that if you allow guys on base, they could really make it hurt. And the fact that they haven't seen Bobby Miller and, and he's been pitching really, really well the last month, and he's a guy in his first season, you know, kind of figuring things out. I actually thought that the Dodgers could really put one on Milwaukee, especially if they uh, came up with some hits with runners in scoring position on Hauser. I, I looked at the Dodgers in the first five on the run line here. Yeah, no, I have no problem with that whatsoever. I mean, I don't. I don't think the Brewers are going to get a whole lot at all, so it's really just a matter of how many L.A. gets. But, yeah, I mean, that's a pretty solid pick. So moving to our second and final game on the Tuesday slate, we're going to go to an 840 Central Time first pitch. It's going to be the Baltimore Orioles traveling to San Diego to take on the Padres. Jack Flaherty going for Baltimore. Michael Walker going for the Padres. Now, this is an interesting one because – 
you know, the last game, Brewers and Dodgers both had the day off. Orioles Padres actually going to be playing each other tonight, Monday, as we record this one Monday afternoon. So this will be a game two. I think one of the reasons I threw this out there is, you know, we got two pitchers that have just changed teams. And obviously the Padres have seen plenty of Flaherty. And, you know, I did not look at first at batter versus pitcher because I've always felt Flaherty was a little bit overrated. Um, Maybe he gets a new lease on life by going to a contender. So I thought maybe this had the potential to go very badly uh, or very well, since when I did look at his numbers against the Padres, he's kind of owned them a little bit. Uh, And of course, the Padres are dead in the water as far as October goes. And without a bullpen, per se, I cannot take the Padres. Um, Walker was a teammate of Flaherty's for years. So, you know, there's probably a little back and forth in the dugouts about, you know, well, watch for this, watch for that. Uh, He's actually been better than I would have thought he's been. Uh, And he also might have a new lease on life. So. I think what I'm going to do is take the first five under uh, in that game, barring stupid shit happening uh, Monday night. Yeah, I looked at it, and I agree with you on one of them. I, I like the Orioles on the money line. I'm looking at it here. You have a total of eight. Padres are currently favored minus 155 on DraftKings. Comeback on Baltimore's plus 130. I think I'd ride with Flaherty at plus 130. I'm just looking at the two and. Waka's coming off of the IL, making his first start since early July. It's been over a month. I know he's pitched really well, you know, two, three months before that. But, I mean, it was a long layoff. Let's see what he looks like. You mentioned the the bullpens. Both of these bullpens are going to get used tonight. Now, who they use, we don't know. But Baltimore used their big guns two out of the last three days, so they might be unavailable. I looked at the Baltimore Orioles at plus 130, and I kind of looked at that over. Flaherty's got a little familiarity with the Padres being in the NL basically his entire career. Waka's bounced around, and he was with Boston in the AL East where these Baltimore Orioles hitters would have seen him. And he's coming off the IL. Both pens will have to pitch tonight, and Baltimore's has been a little worn down. I kind of like the over eight here, and then uh, Baltimore. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, we'll have to see what happens tonight. I mean, we don't necessarily agree on how we see this one playing out, but, you know, that's kind of good for the listeners because then they can get both sides of the story and make a decision. And that'll be it for our Major League Baseball, the August 15th, our Tuesday slate of games. Dave, I know we kind of talked about uh, you having some football stuff. Did you have any preseason upcoming, or is it too early for week two of preseason? Yeah, I, I don't have any preseason upcoming because uh, as of about an hour ago, books hadn't even put out any lines, not even DraftKings for the for the for the week two preseason, which really shows kind of how beatable those lines are. I mean, nobody's everybody's scared to post first, uh, and. If you looked at last week, like oh, a lot of those lines moved a ridiculous amount. And of course, the Broncos got beat kind of foolishly at the end. So I apologize to anybody that made that bet. Uh, I, I made it with you. Uh, but no, I don't have any exhibition uh, games uh, yet this week. Um, hopefully, Friday's podcast will have a couple Friday night and Saturday we can dive into. I thought you wanted to talk about the Packers. I got some college football and some, some NFL win totals, but I'll let you decide what direction we go in here. Yeah, let's uh let's do the Packers win total just to get it out of the way. Just just like we did the Badgers win total, just because we have a bigger uh, listening base in Wisconsin. Let's go with the Packers win total, Dave. Well, you know, I I kind of can go either way on this. Um, you know, there's reasons to bet the over. Um, you know, the the offensive line's all back. I think they allowed the second lowest pressure rate last year, but you know, and of course they didn't have Bactari for a third of the year, but 
you know, how much of that was Rogers getting rid of the ball? I don't know. Um, you know, let's just look at it on paper for what it is. And okay, they did. And, you know, and reason number two to bet the over, uh, they have a manageable schedule. I mean, the first five games, they don't have a, a single opponent in the top eight in Super Bowl odds or with a double digit projected win total. Uh, I think the early week six buy is great for love. Um, another reason to bet the over is, you know, the Flores kind of shifted the offense. They're going to be one of the slowest in the league. So, you know, they probably will have close, low scoring games, you know, whether they win or not, you know, that remains to be seen. I mean, and then you look at their only favorite in, in six games this season um, in spite of themselves. So, you know, that would, that would be a case for maybe betting the over, you know, if I wanted to bet the under the offensive skill position, skies are green. Let's face it. I mean, I think there's a large range of outcomes there and, you know, Love has one career start, 50 completions. The receiving cores have 41 and 42. Well, Watson and Dubes have 41 and 42 career receptions. I mean, I, I think they're going to have rookies in that third slot. So with that much inexperience, you know, I have to wonder. Injury regression, I think, perhaps. You know, last season they had, I think, the sixth least injuries adjusted games lost to injuries. I think the defense was the fifth healthiest. So, you know, those are all great things, but... Is that sustainable? Reason to bet the under. The defensively, third down and goal to goal regression, I think they're going to hinder. Last year, I think they were fifth in third down conversions and a lot of the, the, the higher end stats. So, you know, I don't know that that can, that can continue. I think they were like 10% better than league average. So, you know, I, I, I could argue both ways. I can argue the over and I can argue the under. And if it's, if you then make me come down to it, they were an eight win team last year with Aaron Rodgers. They don't have Aaron Rodgers. They have to be at least one game worse. So if I have to go on record, I'm taking the under only because, you know, and this is a caveat, the last picture up there, only because everything has to go really well injury-wise and, and inexperience-wise for them to go over. The cards are all there for it too, but, you know, the depth and, and, the, and the inexperience is all, also there too. And, you know, if you get the upside of most of those guys, they could win eight or nine games, 10 maybe. But if you get the downside, um, they could suck. So I'm not going to go on record as saying under with a caveat. Dave, I think your uh, your followers just decreased a little bit there with uh, some of the Wisconsin folks uh, <laughs> dropping off after back-to-back unders with the Packers and the Badgers. But I'm, I'm, just, trying, to- I'm just trying to be realistic. And you know what? For, for, for the listeners in Wisconsin's sake, I hope they both do go over and they can tell me that I don't know what I'm talking about because they'll be happy as shit. Um, go for it. I mean, oh. I, call, I call it like I see them. I'm not a homer. I wouldn't bet the Packers because it could go either way. If, yeah. you're making me, if you're making me, that's a different story. Yeah, I'll agree with you on that. And for me, you kind of mentioned it. The offensive line should be solid, especially if it if it's mostly healthy all year. Your running backs are going to be solid. There's a, a decent amount of upside, I believe, at a couple of the wide receiver positions where it's guys going in their second year that showed flashes. They spent two top 100 picks on tight ends. Uh, Musgraves has kind of been flashing at practice. But then you look at that defense, and the defense, it's more senior-laden, I guess you would say, than the offense, which is much more green. There's talent there. It's just, what are you going to get from Love? Because if Love is a middle-of-the-road quarterback, I think they can be eight wins, nine wins. I think, to your point of the 10-win team, I think the best-case scenario for this team is probably nine. 
But if it is rock bottom, we're talking four, five, six wins, which is clearly under the under. So I'm with you. I think it all comes down to Jordan Love. and We just don't know enough. So uh, I, I can't really criticize you for taking the under. I just like giving you crap. I, that's fine. I mean, that's what I'm here for. But, you know, you got to remember that I can be a little sarcastic at times. So, you know, just, just you know, keep your head on a swivel. I'm just hoping we get one or the other. Jordan Love either looks like, yeah, this guy could be the next Hall of Famer, third in line behind Farvin Rogers, or he really is that bad, and Caleb Williams with the first pick could be a possibility. Well, I don't think they're going to suck that bad, but if you're going to dream, dream big. All right. And now you said you had some college football stuff here upcoming for uh, the season. Yeah, I'm going to give out a bet I made, and it's lost some value since I made it, but that's my job is uh, to get my clients the best numbers. I September 2nd, which I guess would be week one, uh, maybe week zero, I don't know. I, I, it all runs together for me. I took North Texas plus 10 over Cal. Um, that game's in North Texas and Cal is four and eight last year. And they're actually, I think ranked, if you subscribe to preseason rankings as the 70th best team in the nation, which puts them in the middle. And I, I think that's still too high. I mean, they got nothing on offense and even less on defense, which I I think that'll kill them against a very viable, um, North Texas passing game. Um, but North Texas will need to find some semblance of defense too. I mean, you know, that's going to be probably a high-scoring game, and I just don't think uh, Cal will run away and hide. Um, but they lost their quarterback to Louisville. They've got to transfer Sam Jackson from TCU. Um, he's small, he's young, and he has no experience. He's kind of like a, a young Dorian Gray. Um, and, you know, if Gray was all that good, he was a fifth-round pick of the, of the Browns. Um, they lose their best receiver to UCLA. They allowed 429 yards per game on defense. So – you know, they signed some defensive transfers that look good, but I don't think they can go from what they were to elite overnight. Uh, I think the problem in this game is that they face a lethal um, North Texas passing attack, and, and and that offense is bringing back a ton. And, you know, if you, I, I, I like the way it's a UNT team that uh, they pushed Boise State to the limit in the Beach Bowl in Miami last year. And, you know, it's a Cal team that almost lost to UNLV and did lose to Colorado. So, you know, their wins are over UC Davis, UNLV, Arizona, but they allowed 31 points to Arizona and Stanford. So basically nobody. So, you know, optimism is one thing. Point spread's another. I like North Texas plus 10. I think it's down to seven and a half, but as long as it's over a touchdown, I would still put my money on it. Yeah, to your point with Cal, uh, you look at that team now. Justin Wilcox is the head coach, and he was a former D coordinator for the Badgers and was pretty good in his year or two where he was here in Madison. But uh, when he first got to Cal, there was a pretty gritty defense and like a low-scoring, grinded-out offense, but the offense has never improved, and now his defense is gone. You're talking about how other teams in the area are poaching their players. They don't have a conference here in the next couple of years with the Pac-12 basically imploding. What the heck happened to Cal? Yeah, I mean, you know, after the band ran on the field, I guess they kind of went backwards. They should probably not do that anymore. That team is not uh, not going in the right direction, but Dave, before we get out of here, you have anything else for the football side of things you want to get out there? Yeah, if we got time, I, I, I like the Colts to be under six and a half wins. I mean, you know, to, to cash that, they're asking them to win three more games than last year. And with a rookie quarterback, I mean, you know, Luck had 11 in his rookie year, but, you know, his talent around him was, you know, he had Reggie Wayne, yada, yada, yada. Richardson has Isaiah McKenzie, Alec Pierce, and Michael Pittman. 
And he might not have Jonathan Taylor. I mean, not only is Taylor disgruntled, but, you know, he left practice to rehab an ankle. I mean, Richardson has the physical tools that not many have, but he only started 13 games in Florida. And I looked at that defense last year, and it kind of surprised me because they had had a very good defense, but they allowed 427 points, and that was worse than the AFC. Uh, and, and that was with Stephon Gilmore, who's now gone. I mean, Quentin Nelson, their interior offensive lineman, was the only one named to the Pro Bowl. And, yeah, I know they brought in Steichen to, to go ahead and develop Richardson, you know, great move. But, you know, he was in Philadelphia. He had Jalen Hurts, Smith, and, and A.J. Brown. In L.A., he had Herbert Williams and, and Keenan Allen. So I think the expectations are perhaps a little too high for this team. Um, I'd go on, but I think you get where I'm going with this. I mean, we could even see Gardner Minshew start the season. I don't know. But uh, and everybody else in the AFC South is better than they were last year, too. So, you know, their competition, I mean, they opened the season against Jacksonville uh, at Houston, at Baltimore. They could be 0-3. And, and uh, you know, coming into the last season, they were favorites to win the AFC South. Uh, now I think they're favorites to finish last. Well, I think to your point with the Philadelphia Eagles – they had a great offensive line, and I know you mentioned Quentin Nelson, but the, the Colts' offensive line isn't the best in football like the Eagles. And not only that, but when you look around at the skilled players, at the skilled positions, yeah, you have a, you know, a couple of receivers that have some clout, but arguably one of your best offensive players in Jonathan Taylor is now pissed off at the organization and has not been to camp. Like – it doesn't look like it's right now the best recipe for a young quarterback and a lot of winning success. No. And I, you know, I, I, Jim Irsay is not, I mean, he's like a, in terms of, of having his face in his, on TV and his mouth on Twitter. Um, you know, he's a, he's a notch below Jerry Jones. Uh, he's not a leader. He's not the stable organization that, you know, hires good coaches and lets them coach uh, like most of your, long-term successful coaches and, and franchises might be. So, you know, that's just another negative. We'll check that box too, uh, that, that the Colts don't have going for them. I mean, they've been like just good enough to not dismantle the team over the last few years. And now I think they need to dismantle the team. And that sounds like what they did with Richardson. And I know real quick, I mean, you talked about bringing in another coach from, from Philly, but how about the guy that left? Like Frank Reich, in my opinion, was a, pretty decent coordinator especially when you're talking about developing quarterbacks and offensive stuff now he's yeah, and, 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 and then uh, and you got Ursay want you know given the the job to Jeff Saturday and you know considered keeping him on so I mean I don't you know decision questionable things with the Colts exactly a lot of little things that up to one big things I think their win total stays under well there's uh Dave's win total for the Indianapolis Colts going under Gundahead, he likes the Packers win total under, and then he does like North Texas plus the 10, probably can still find it at plus seven and a half against Cal. Uh, Dave, before we're out of here, we've been relatively hot in August. Can I get a best bet out of you for Major League Baseball for the Monday or Tuesday slate? All right, I'll give you two. I like the Brewers team total under. Sorry to my Wisconsin friends, and I will... Go ahead and take the Marlins run line tonight. So Dave is going to go with the Marlins run line tonight for Monday, August 14th. He's going to take the Milwaukee Brewers team total under on Tuesday, August 15th. And I'll take two for you, Dave. First one I like will be tonight. 
I'm going to go with that uh, Cardinals, St. Louis Cardinals team total over the four and a half. And then tomorrow for Tuesday, I will go with the Baltimore Orioles on the money line at plus 130 with Jack Flaherty over Michael Waka. So that'll be it for the podcast. We'll be back here on Friday, continuing to talk more college football, NFL, and of course, the couple of Major League Baseball games. Again, if you want to find any of our content, you can find me on Twitter at Rowdy underscore Razor. You can find Dave at Dave underscore Essler. Or you can find some of his work at pregame.com. Just before we're out of here, just want to remind everyone, please download, listen, rate, subscribe, share it with your friends. Continue uh, listening to Winner's Take. We'll be back on Friday. But until then, let's continue to win some money. The Winner's Take is your podcast for everything gambling at MadCitySportsZone.com, in the Zone app, or wherever you get your podcasts. Listen, rate, subscribe.